Well, good morning. I want you to do this. I want you to imagine with me for a moment that we're not in the sanctuary at Central Assembly, and instead we're looking in on a young mom as she's, she's tucking her, her boy into bed. And they've, they've said their prayers. She's tucking him in tight, and she's leaning in for that, that last little kiss on the cheek when he looks up at her with those puppy dog eyes, and he says, Mom, when's dad coming home? The, the question, it catches her off guard, and a, a tear rolls down her cheek and hits his, and she, she collects herself, and, and she said, baby, I, I, I don't know. Just keep, keep praying. She leans in, and she hugs him one more time for what seems like an eternity, and then, then lets go and gives him a kiss on the cheek. And when she makes her way from, from his bedroom to her, she collapses in her bed, and that, that single tear now is a, it's a steady flow because what she said to her son was only partially true. She doesn't know when her husband's coming home because she doesn't know if he's coming home. You see, he stands 25 kilometers away as part of the army of Israel. And for the last 40 days, a giant has come and stood in the valley of Eli, defying someone to fight for the fate of a nation. And it looks desperate. And so she cries out in prayer, asking God for a miracle, not knowing that her prayer has already been answered, and it's been answered in the form of a shepherd boy. In Africa today, a little boy sits on the outskirts of a village, and he is literally eating dirt to try to satisfy the hunger pains in his stomach. And he cries out in desperation, looking for hope, not knowing that God has already put on the heart of an evangel student to feed one. There's a mom in Manila that believes that there's a, a better way for her family and, and that there's a, there's a destiny that God has for her and, and she's looking for a path that leads to dignity. And so she prays, not knowing that God has already put on the heart of an entrepreneurial businesswoman in Springfield, Missouri to say yes to responding to the needs across America and around the world. It's a farmer in El Salvador that for years, for years has been eking out a meager existence. And he's learning that there's such a thing as tomorrow. Why? Because of a church that's faithful to a footprint focus. And so on behalf of more than 533,000 children, they'll be fed tomorrow. They can't be here today, but, but on behalf of them, I, I want to say thank you. On behalf of 37,000 women that are currently being empowered, learning that God sees them, loves them, and has a plan for them. I want to say thank you. On behalf of 25,000 farmers that are being, being trained and equipped, on behalf of the more than 70 million people that experienced a tangible demonstration of God's love in 2022 alone, because of the ministry partnership of Central Assembly and Convoy of Hope, I want to say thank you. Thank you. You know, it's, it's easy when we do this. It's easy to talk about numbers. I'd, I'd like to take 
a moment this morning and, and introduce you to uh, a few uh, names, uh, friends that I had the opportunity to meet. Last December, uh, I, I traveled, a couple of us from Convoy of Hope, we traveled literally halfway around the world to this village on the island of Timor in Indonesia, Bashala. Uh, can I tell you, Pastor, it was, it was one of those unforgettable trips. Here was the quintessential moment. We are flying from Sydney to Jakarta, about an eight-hour flight. We're about an hour into the flight. When the pilot comes on, I don't know if you've ever had one of these moments where somebody's going to give you way too much information, right? This is one of those moments. And, and the pilot comes on and he says, uh, folks, I, I've got some bad news. The, the equipment that normally keeps ice from forming on the wings is not functioning. It's only a problem if, if we have to fly through clouds. Now, by the way, if you heard that, what would be your natural reaction? Let's, let's just open up the shade a little bit and see if we... He said, I, I can't figure out a way to get us to Jakarta without flying through clouds, so we're going to have to turn around and head back. No doubt by the time we get back, they'll, they'll have a plan for you. Uh, I'm so sorry. Please know you're at no real risk. That was fine, although it did make the young man that was sitting next to me somewhat nervous. I don't think, I, this may have been his second flight of all time. And he's like, are we, in? no, th there's plenty of redundancy. However, the pilot felt like he needed to share even more information. So when we're in final approach, this is what the pilot said. He said, folks, this is your pilot again. I want you to know we've been cleared to land in Sydney. Now I want you to know that you're, you're in no real danger. Why, I say real right? If, if we're in no real danger, sir, why are you even talking to us? You're, you're in no real danger. However, you may notice that when we land that the runways are going to be lined with fire trucks. And here's the reason why. You see, we are supposed to fly a lot longer and we have a lot of fuel on this plane. And the fire trucks are there just in case the brakes catch on fire. Tell me that wouldn't instill confidence in you. Well, needless to say, we did. We landed without incident. They put us on a new plane, flew from Sydney to Jakarta, Jakarta to Surabaya, Surabaya to Kupang. When we got to Kupang, the four of us uh, who were with convoy got into a vehicle with one of our partners there on the ground. So five of us in a Toyota Hilux pickup truck. We now drove two hours out to the edge of, of this, this river. When we got there, uh, we realized that the river was too high, and so we wouldn't be able to drive across. We we're going to have to walk across. And uh, the river, you can see about how far it is. It's about waist-deep, steady stream, and it's about the color of coffee with, with, with heavy cream. Now, I want you to know that, that I, was in, I was in very good hands because Joel, a 74-year-old villager from the village of Bashala was going to hang on to me to make sure I wouldn't be swept downstream. Now, if you look at, if you go ahead and put him up, if you look at the size of Joel and the size of me, I'm not sure who was holding on to who. But I did ask to the interpreter, I said, hey, any issues with crocodiles? And they said, normally not when the current is this swift. At that point, I was really glad to have Joel because you, I'm sure you've often heard this. If there's a crocodile, I don't have to be faster than the croc. I just have to be faster than Joel. <laughs> but it was an honor to meet Joel. We were actually headed to this village to evaluate the impact of a well that, through the ministry of Convoy Hope, had been dug six months earlier. I, wa I want you to see 
Joel, at 74 years of age, the first time in his life he ever sees clean water. You may notice the, the, the well there. Here's what was remarkable. Joel and the men in the village, Conway provided all the equipment, but the men in the village, they dug that well by hand. And not only did they dig that well by hand, they figured out how to do it, and they're, they're committed to going to four additional villages and digging four more wells while training the men in those villages how to dig wells because we've identified a little more than 100 villages just like Bashala. I'd like to introduce you to two more people. Look at this, this little guy. I want you to notice a look on his face. He doesn't understand that water isn't normally brown. He's looking at that water the way your kids look at video games, right? He's just, he's just in awe. I was honored to meet Dorcas. Dorcas is a, a young mom three children. Um, she's, a, she's a single mother. Dorcas feeds her children by raising vegetables in the garden that's right next to her thatched hut. Dorcas would take the excess vegetables that she, that, that she grows and she would sell them in a market that she would have to walk seven and a half hours to get to and she would make 50,000 rupiah per month. Can I tell you when I first heard that she would make 50,000 rupiah per month, I was pretty impressed until the next day when I was in the mall in Jakarta and I bought a pair of tennis shoes for 1.3 million rupee and they were on sale. But I'm happy to report that even before we engaged in women's empowerment in the village of Bashala, just by providing constant drip irrigation to Dorcas's garden, her income went from 50,000 rupee per month to 500,000 rupee per month. And, And probably what I... What I love most of all in our village, our visit to the village in Bashala was this, to talk with the pastor and to know that they've had a church in Bashala for almost 30 years. But for 30 years, they've met under a tree. But because they now have sustainability and don't have to simply focus each day on eking out a meager existence, but they can look to t- tomorrow. When we got there, they were almost done building this and I had the opportunity to stand in their first ever church building and pray a prayer of blessing and a prayer, a prayer of dedication over this building that is committed to being a lighthouse in the, to, for Bashala and the entire surrounding areas. So on behalf of Dorcas, on behalf of Joel, on behalf of the village of Bashala, I, I want to I say thank you for your willingness to be a part of a miracle. Because here's what I've discovered. I've discovered this, that more often than not, when God does the miraculous, he does it through us. And it happens only if we're willing to position ourselves for purpose. And and that's what I want to talk to you about for a few moments this morning. I want to talk to you about positioning yourself for purpose. And I want to challenge you, just as Jesus challenged Simon Peter in Luke chapter 5. I want to challenge you today to push out into the deep and let down your net. God, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you that they are served by an absolutely incredible pastor. And God, I pray that you would bless the Bradford family today. And God, it is, it is an, an honor to stand in the, in the pulpit of this champion of the faith. 
I thank you for this church. I thank you for the rich legacy that Central has. But more than that, God, I thank you for the current impact and, God, the plan that you have for this church family. God, would, would, you, would you let us be open to what you want to, by your Holy Spirit, what you want to speak to us today? More than that, God, the, the result, the, the action that you want to come from the message that you have for this, this morning. So, God, we commit this time and we commit the impact of this time to you. Have your will and your way in the matchless name of your son Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So let, let's talk about what it, what it looks like to position ourselves for purpose. One of the things that I love about God is that God doesn't change. And because God doesn't change, we can look at these biblical models that we have and realize that they are great example for us. And, and one of my favorites is Simon. I can relate to Simon Peter on so many levels. Simon Peter has a passion for God. I'm right there. Simon Peter is impetuous. I'm right there. He's not always the best planner. We don't need to talk about that today. But his, his impact, all because he was willing to position himself for purpose. So let's look at Luke chapter 5. In Luke chapter 5, it tells us this. In the beginning of this chapter, it tells us that Jesus is there at the, at the shore of the Sea of Galilee, or Lake Kinneret, and, and he is, we, we know by context that he's there by Capernaum, and he's, he's walking along the seashore, and there's a large crowd that has gathered around him and is listening to him talking about the principles of God, talking about God and his kingdom. And as he's walking along, he, see these, he sees these two boats that were left there by the fishermen who are away from their boats, washing their nets. Jesus gets into one of the boats, the boat belonging to Simon, and asked him to push it out into the water. And it is in, in this moment that we see Jesus having what I believe is, is this destiny moment with Simon. And he paints a picture for us that can help us to understand what it looks like to position for purpose or to step into our destiny. And, and there are four things that I see in this passage that I want to share with you this morning. The first is this. More often than not, when, we are, when God's positioning us for purpose, it comes at a time that is inconvenient. It comes at a time that's inconvenient. So look at the situation that we find, that we find Simon in. He has, he has just come back from being out on the water all night. He has fished all night. Not only has he fished all night, he's fished all night. The scripture tells us a little bit later, and he's caught nothing. So we can only imagine the amount of fatigue that he's dealing with. And I would quote Vince Lombardi, except I hate the Green Bay Packers. In fact, I hate the Green Bay Packers with the white hot heat of a thousand suns. God hates things, and so we can hate things, and I hate the Packers. Don't judge me. <laughs> but Lombardi quoted Patton, who said this, that fatigue makes cowards. And so we can only imagine where Simon is at in this moment, right? Because he's greatly fatigued. I know I've lost the Packer fans in the room. Pray and get over it. Simon is over there, he is, he's washing his nets, 
No doubt the only thing he wants to do is finish and go home and rest because he knows that in just a few hours, he's going to have to get back out there on the water because if he doesn't catch fish, his family doesn't eat. And it's in that moment where, where Simon doesn't have margin that God steps into his boat. I don't know what it's like for you, but I can tell you in my life journey, more often than not, when, when God positions me for purpose, it's at a time when I'm juggling so many things. And let me illustrate to you why. Anthony, I want to ask you a question, and I want you to be honest. At any time this week, did you think about rocking, robbing a liquor store? No, I did not. I'm so glad you said no, because had you said yes, I would have had to switch to a completely different sermon. Okay? Anybody here? Don't raise your hand. Okay, why? Here's the reason why. Because listen, even if you're not a Christ follower, if you're here as a skeptic or a seeker, here's what I know. Even, it, even then, we have this moral compass, right? And as we're walking in active relationship with God, we have the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. And so we go, you know what? I'm not going to go there. But friend, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And so here's what I have found. I have found that most ministry moments, right, most missional opportunities have come at times in my life where it seemed like I was juggling so many different things. So don't be surprised when God is positioning you for purpose that it doesn't make sense on your calendar. The last thing that Simon needed was another thing on his to-do list. And now he's got Jesus in his boat. And here's what we can easily miss. And if you get nothing else out of our time this morning, I, I pray that you don't miss this. It's easy when we look at it in the natural to see Jesus getting into Simon's boat and think that Jesus does it because he has a need. Jesus is there, he's teaching, the crowd is pressing in, he needs space. If he can get into the boat and push out in the water a little bit, it'll create a natural amplification process that'll help him to communicate with all the people that have gathered. It seems naturally that Jesus has a need, doesn't it? Unless we remember that Jesus has the ability to walk on water. So when Jesus gets into Simon's boat, it's not because Jesus has a need. Jesus gets into Simon's boat because even though Simon doesn't realize it, he has a need. And oftentimes what happens is God will come to us in this time when we're incredibly busy and he's asking us to step in to a ministry opportunity, a missional challenge. And we go, God, I don't have time. I recognize that there's a need there. And God says, I don't think you recognize the need that I'm trying to meet. Come on, that's a message for somebody here this morning. And you've been trying to explain to God why it's not a good time. God, listen, how about this? I'm close to retirement, God. As soon as I can do this, God, I almost have the kids out of the house. And God's brought you here. He's put this message on my heart this morning to say, look, I understand that you're busy. But how about we shift the priority just a little bit? And I know it's going to come at a cost. Here's the second thing that I've learned about positioning for purpose. 
it almost always comes at a cost. And for Simon, the cost for him is time, and time's the one thing that you can't get more of. And Jesus gets into his boat and asks him to push it out. And this means that Simon has to step away from washing his nets, and he's got to get into that boat and sit there and listen to Jesus say what he has to say. It seems to always, always come at a cost. But that whole, that whole idea that Jesus presents, right? When he says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where rust and moth corrupt, where thieves break and steal. But how about this? How about you invest in, how about you store up for yourself treasures in heaven? And it's at this moment that, that Jesus is giving Simon opportunity to make an eternal investment. Oh, oftentimes it seems like it's a, a price that we're not able to pay. But friend, God will, God will never ask you to do more than what he has already equipped you to do. Right? One of my favorite stories is when, when God comes to Gideon and Gideon goes, I can't do this. I love that God says this, go in the strength that you have. It, through his divine nature, he has given you everything you need for life and godliness. And you can count on that. It, uh, it won't make sense. It's amazing how often when God speaks to us and he's positioning us for purpose, it doesn't make sense. Listen to what Simon says to Jesus. When Jesus finishes his discourse and encourages Simon to take the boat out into deeper water. Master, we worked hard. Another translation puts it this way. We toiled all night and caught nothing. Jesus, I don't know if you know this, there aren't boats out in the water right now. Okay? You're a really good speaker. You're a really good communicator. You are an amazing rabbi. In fact, you may be a prophet. Potentially, you could be the Messiah. Right? Because this isn't, this isn't the first interaction that, 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 that Simon has had with, with Jesus. Jesus has been in his home. He's, he's watched Jesus do miracles. But even in that, this is now, Jesus, I, I've been on your turf. Now, Jesus, you're on my turf. And, and what you're asking me to do doesn't make sense. It's not the time to fish. And even if it was, we just came from out there and we worked hard all night and we caught nothing. Here is, here's the key. But nevertheless, at your word. God, because you say so. Because you say so. God, it doesn't make sense on my calendar, but because you say so. God, it doesn't make sense in my, in my pocketbook, in my, in, in my bank account, but because you say so. God, it doesn't make sense when I look at my gifting and ability, but because you say so. 
God, it, it doesn't make sense when I think about my life plans, when I think about where I want my career to go, but because you say so. Yeah, it, 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 it won't make sense. It won't make sense when God positions you for purpose, right? When he has you in that place of destiny, that, that place in the miraculous, it's not going to make sense. I think about the, 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 the many, many decades, centuries of ministry that are, that are in this room. Missionaries, pastors, teachers. The testimonies that we could give over and over again that it doesn't make sense. What happens when you say, God, because you say so, nevertheless at your word. Notice what happens. When they, when they, when they throw out the net, it tells us this. They caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled the partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. If you'll allow me this, I'd like, to, I'd like to geek out on this point for just a moment. Because let's talk about what God does. Because here's what you're going to find is this, is that when God works the miraculous in your life, it, it, it's, it's the, the vast majority of the time, it's not just about you. Okay? There's a ripple effect, and God wants there to be a ripple effect of your life. Why? Because you're called to be salt and light. Right? You're called to be a witness. We're called make, to make a difference. We're, we're called to make disciples. And so God wants to work the miraculous in you and through you because he wants there to be this ripple effect. And he has this moment with Simon, but it's not just about Simon. There's the people that are in the boat with Simon. There's also the fact that, that filled both boats, Simon's boat and his partner's boat. So let's take a moment and look at the boat. We have a pretty good idea of what this boat looks like. Because in Israel today, uh, at Kibbutz Ginosar, they have this, it's the Jesus boat. And a uh, few years ago, as the, as the water in, in the Sea of Galilee was receding, uh, this boat became evident. And through carbon dating, it was dated to the time of Jesus. And so it is believed that this would be the typical boat. You'll notice it has a flat bottom, okay, which makes it really good for fishing. It's about 27 and a half feet long. It's about seven and a half feet wide. And the sides would have been about a little about four and a half feet tall. So if we're going to take this bad boy fishing, how many fish will it hold? A lot. Thank you. Who's, who, you need to come over here and finish this message. I'm going to tell you how many. Okay? So if we, if we look at what it would take, water displacement, because tech, the text tells us that the boat had so many fish in it that it began to sink. And not just that boat, but both boats. Right? So, this boat would have 532 cubic feet of space. It would hold, Pastor, 14 tons of fish. 14 tons of fish. Now, how, here's what we know. We believe that, the, that, that, that God's word is divinely inspired. We believe that it's God-breathed. That means each and every one of these words matter. And know this, that when God's word says that the boats almost sank, the boats almost sank. And for the boats to almost sink, they had to have 14 ton of fish. Yes, that does take into account the tackle that they would have had in the boat and the men they would have had in the boat. 
14 tons of fish at that time conservatively would have been 12 years of salary for each one of the fishermen. And here's what God does. God takes Simon from from being over there on the shore, washing his nets, right? Dealing with anxiety, dealing with frustration, having questions. Simon, how about you come and get in the boat and push it out in the water a little bit? I don't have time. I don't think you understand my need. How about we push out into the deep and you let down the net? I I don't have time for this. Plus, I don't think you understand that what you're asking me to do, it's a waste of time. It doesn't make sense in the natural. But master, because you say so. But nevertheless, at your word. And God says this, Simon, I'm going to position you to where it's easy for you to say yes when I call you to no longer fish for fish. But I'm going I'm to position you to fish for men. So what's the need in your life that's keeping you from pushing out into the deep and let down the net? What's that thing that's filling your calendar that's keeping you from pushing out into the deep and letting down the net? What is that thing that God has placed on your heart that you can't seem to figure out in your head that's keeping you from pushing out into the deep and letting down the net? Well, friend, God brought you here today and he brought me here today to speak into your moment and to tell you that he wants to work the miraculous in you and through you. In spite of your busyness, in spite of your questions, in spite of the cost. And when we do, when we do, heaven will tell the story just like it does with Simon Peter.